0: Welcome to Cooper Talk I'm your host Steve Cooper and remember I'm only as hip is my guest I have to tell you something today people today I actually came to the studio I don't know what came upon me but I didn't wear a hat now every day I wear a hat and it's not because I'm bald I enjoy being bald and it's funny I mean people say I look good bald and I actually think I look better now bald than when I had hair but I for some reason I always wear a hat and when I'm in the studio I don't wear a hat because I have headphones but it's just I feel naked it's weird I don't know It's, it''s I'm so used to getting up my hat on getting in the car and driving that to the studio that today I just feel odd but I noticed I'm getting a a weird tan it's like the the top of my forehead is tan and like my back isn't. So I think I'm going to try this hatless thing for a while. I think that's what I'm going to do. So that's about it about me being hatless. Anyway, we have a great show. Uh, this next actor, I will say, is uh, very talented and you know I, I talked to Roma Maffi last week about the movie That Gal and Roxanne Hart was in that movie too. So glad you could come in, Roxanne.
1: Well, I'm glad I could come in too and I just listened to Roma's um, interview with you and I thought it was fantastic and I hope that I can be as interesting as she was <laughs>
0: well as we, we talked you're from new Jersey. You, you were born in new jersey That's so right. so you're going to be interesting because yeah, okay. <laughs> my my rule is i think everyone i've met from new jersey is interesting you, i don't know because you moved to new york at a, a, a certain age right
1: actually i moved all around the country for a while okay, but in
0: you're your formed like you're. Your, did you go to elementary school in new jersey or
1: um, i went to elementary school in new jersey and also in colorado
0: Okay, so now Boulder. You, you were born in Trenton, mm-hmm. and now you're, was your father a teacher?
1: My father was a teacher. He was a biology teacher, and he was making about $5,000 a year, and there were four of us, and I mean, it wasn't as bad as as it sounds now if one is making five thousand dollars a year but it was pretty bad and so um it was the time during the nasa grants all this money was going into sciences so he went to different universities and we lived on different university campuses while he got additional degrees so that he could increase his pay scale yeah
0: so now as you're moving around and it must Mm -hmm. be it's funny because i always compare when i talk to people who've moved around and going to different schools so you went to a bunch of different schools right i did yeah and I think I've talked to people who have done that before, and we'll uh-huh. talk about this later when you started acting, but it makes the, I think it makes the audition process a little easier for you because every time you go to a school, it's like you're sort of in an audition, right? Yeah,
1: you're putting on a new persona. I remember this girl from when we were living in Chappaqua in New York, where my dad was principal of the high school. There was a girl that had moved from Ardsley, New York, and she carried her books on her hip instead of in front of her with her arms folded. She carried them on her hip, and I thought it was the coolest thing, and it was just the way they carried their books there, but it really set her apart, so I tried to um, imitate it for a while until I was pulled into line by all the rest of the kids and said you can't carry your books that way
0: isn't that weird how like <laughs> it's such a small thing and when we when your kids it's big it's like so if one kid does something right. it's cool right. but if, if the popular kid doesn't do it it's not cool and you right. look back and you go that kid was so much cooler than that's another right. person that's
1: right all those people that were uncool then are now really They're... the ones who are ruling the earth <laughs>
0: exactly so now now your father was a teacher and now when did you decide you wanted to act? Were you as a kid? Did you want to act, or was it what what caught well, you? Well, my
1: mother tells me that I was always very. The, my mother told me, actually, I should say, she passed away, but my um, I was always, I guess, theatrical, and um, my mother read those movie magazines. But I don't really remember thinking that um, there was nobody in my family who had been in the business. But I was at Princeton when they had very few women there, and I was in a Greek. Um, studies class, and someone in the class was actually studying the Greek, the language, and he had translated Euripides Electra, and he asked me, because I was one of the few women, um, whether or not I would audition for Electra, and I did, and I ended up playing Electra with having had very little training other than, you know, having been in the occasional high school play. Um, I was probably god-awful, but at at that point, I was a senior in college, and I kind of got bit, Um, and decided I had to go get some training um, if that's what I was going to do. But before then, I thought I was probably going to teach English at a university someplace. That's what I thought I would do.
0: Now, you went to Princeton.
1: Well, no, I went to Princeton for a year. I did um, a transfer. I got my degree from Skidmore. Okay Yeah, yeah.
0: No because I say Princeton is always funny because I grew up in Cherry Hill and like no one from Cherry Hill used to get into Princeton like they all got in their pen like I went to a school with a lot of Ivy Leaguers uh-huh. I, went to a, I went to Stockton State now uh-huh. the University of New Jersey uh-huh. so I was like even though it was a four year school I was like you know oh you're not, it's not Ivy League <laughs> and that's the weird thing about Princeton was it, would always, it was always such a uh, hard school for Cherry Hill to get in which was funny because they were so close
1: Right right yeah I wonder if they you know have a diversity thing as far as like geographics are concerned I don't
0: know so, so now you you want to go to study Uh acting. So you go to New York City?
1: I went to uh, NYU. I went to the MFA program there and I stayed for a year and a half. Um, It was a three-year program. Uh, While I was there, I got put on academic probation. Why was that? Um, You know, I don't know because I was one of the hardest working students there and I thought I was really um, industrious. And when I went around asking the different teachers, you know, why I had been put on, everybody said, go talk to Olympia. Olympia Dukakis, who taught me. So um, I took her out for drinks at the Arcadia, and um, she denied having put me on academic probation. So... um, I never really knew why, um, but I was on academic probation. And anyway, at that and a couple of other things, just feeling like I had been in academia long enough, I just decided to leave. So I left after a year and a half. I knew that I still needed training, so I started studying with a man by the name of Michael Howard, who taught a lot of people um, that were working actors. Uh, You know, so I would go off and do a little show at the, some regional theater around New York and then come back and study with Michael and then go off and do a little thing and, you know, back and forth. And that's what I did for a couple of years.
0: So when do you decide, you're getting this training and you're going out there, when do you decide to say, okay, I want to get an agent or when, when, how, when did that come into your career?
1: There was a book that said, uh, that was entitled Agents by Building and it divided New York up into... Um, Geographical, you know, streets and everything, and you'd mark off. I was working as a wait. Actually, I was working as a greeter at Barney's on Seventh Avenue and Seventeenth Street, Um, and (laughs) you would direct men to the cut of suit that they wanted to get.
0: Well, that's um, good. They don't have breeders anymore. It's always because you know, like, when growing up, you used to go to the mall. Like if I go to Macy's, I have no idea where anything because right. I don't shop. Right. You, we, who, I mean, we mostly shop online now. Right. And I go in to get my girlfriend something. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, okay, where's yeah? And I used to be there. would Be someone. and You have right. all the snooty perfume people who don't right. know where anything is. Right. Even though they work right. there. Right. You go, where's that? And go, so, so you were directing people. Uh, so, I was
1: directing people, and then I had a, I would have like a couple of hours. So, I would. Um, you know uh, say there was on 57th street a lot of agents were on 57th street at that time um, a million years ago and (laughs) you know you just go into the building with your picture and um, resume and at that time the way to get a legit agent was to work was to work in commercials if you could and I had the kind of look that did translate into commercial so i ended up getting an eight ad- i ended up going with um an agency by stark that was stark haseltine Heseltine and baker and then after working for them as a commercial client for a while then i did an audition for stark and became a legit uh client as well so
0: and said so now did you start getting out for auditions for legit stuff as yeah
1: you yeah but i i actually was Unusually lucky in that as soon as I left um, uh, school, I got a job right away. Got my equity card right away. Doing uh, understudying in Shakespeare in the Park. Um, I had kind of an audacious aggressiveness, and um, that was. You know, I guess it's like fools walk in where wise men fear to tread. You know, I just used to go and hang out. Uh, NYU is very close to where the public theater was located on Lafayette Street. And I used to just hang out there where the casting directors, Rosemary Tischler and um, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think, Mary Calhoun were. And uh, with coffee, you know, go and (laughs) ask them. And finally, I, I got myself an audition. So and then got the job. So I got my equity card that summer, right when I had left school. And, uh, you know, started working right away. I was very fortunate.
0: See, that's cool, because then back back then, too, it's like, I mean, in New York, back there, there's there's theater. There's a lot of theater. I mean, here are the mm-hmm. whole thing of the mm-hmm. 99 things going on right now right, in the theater. Right, but right. there, it's like, it's a lot of equity work. And I think so many people started back in theater there, because that was, that was a concentration where Hollywood was TV and film that was a concentration so that must have been great for you i mean just to, even to be understudy in that must have been amazing
1: yes it was it was really extraordinary and the cast was amazing i mean it was ted danson and linda lavin and blair brown and michael tucker and um danny devito uh you know a lot of people who at that time, were just they were just working actors. And then, of course, they became, I mean, Ted Danson, huge star. But um, they were just doing the summer gig. It wasn't, uh, you know, it was a good gig, but it was they were just working journeyman actors.
0: So you do that. And now, so when do you decide, when do you make that jump to TV? Because I'm looking, you know, when do you decide to sit there and go, all right, I'm going to go to TV or movies? Because you're doing the theater. I mean, did you, was it a natural transgression for you?
1: Well, you know, I can't say, when anybody asks me, when did you make that decision? I don't think I ever really actually made a decision. I just went where the doors were open to me or where I had forced the doors. It was never anything kind of, you know, there was never any thought about it. Uh, An audition came up and I auditioned and got something. Um, You know, the agency would see what was out there, what was available, and I would go and audition. So it was at a certain point i guess you know so you're
0: working around mm-hmm. and then you get the the verdict was one of your first movies oh
1: yeah yeah and
0: now now it's with paul newman
1: that's right which
0: anyone who's an actor who anyone who has watched movies right. i know i paul newman's one of those guys that there's no one who doesn't like Paul Newman. Like right. you know, that's one of those things because his his you know where he's the man's man in Butch Cassidy and Slapshot, right. right. You know, he's just but in these not it's just he's one of those guys. What was that like? I mean, because you you'd work with different people, and you, you you when I look at your IMDb, you didn't have many credits right. when you got the verdict. I, I mean, know that was it was, it was how amazing. did that happen? Because it's such a, a huge movie.
1: Um, you know, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think if I had done anything that was significant in theater at that time or had gotten any notice. But I was called in to audition. They were seeing people. And, you know, Sidney Lumet was very um, loyal to uh, his New York base and New York actors. And so there were a lot of New York actors there. um, And uh, I went in and I auditioned. And David Mamet was in the room and Sidney was in the room. And they called that day It was Thanksgiving weekend and told me I had gotten the part, which, you know, looking back on it, I realized what an incredibly um, amazing event that was, getting the job and working with those people. But at the time... I don't think I knew how extraordinary it was. I had scenes with just Paul Newman. And, I mean, I had no idea that this was not something that was going to be repeated a lot in my lifetime. And working with a man, a a genius, like Sidney Lumet.
0: It's yeah, it's just amazing. It's like because you sit there, and it it is one of those like I mean, you you can say like a for an actor, an actor's dream. I mean, somewhat that you didn't have a lot of experience from stage, you know, from you had stage experience, but to sit there and nowadays, you know, it's like a movie. Okay, well, we're going to put this person, but why? They're not really well because they were good in. Fifty Shades of Grey. Well, then they get the... I'm I'm not going to that. I mean, I
1: was was just talking to my agent on the way over here because I'm going up for something. And one of the conversations that I had with him was, now, is this part really available that I'm going up for? Or are they, uh, in the meantime, uh, uh, offering it out? And his response was, sincerely, that he didn't know. And, you know, I mean, it's not going to change the way I go into the room. It's not going to make it so that I'm going to give less of myself or prepare less. But... Oftentimes now, you go in and you audition for things that aren't really available. Um, It's more of a courtesy, or actually, maybe it's um, a union thing. Maybe they have to audition for so many roles they can't offer so many roles. I I actually don't know what that is.
0: Or it may be a bargaining chip. Because if no, (laughs) seriously, if someone they they're pretty sure they're gonna have this person, and this person's agent is saying, well, I want this, I want this, and then someone comes in who has a lot of credits, and then that they you know they you know how people talk, and they're like, oh wow, wait wait. I thought she had this, but they're bringing other people in. We better drop our price. It's just weird how it works,
1: right? Well, actually, I I ended up getting a part one time that I know had been offered to somebody else who was holding out, um, and it turned out to be a great um, part for me. Um, uh, for PBS, um, it was a loan, uh, and. Um, you know a, a Horton Foot piece with wonderful, wonderful actors in it. Uh, Hume, I played Hume Cronin's daughter, and um, th- there were just so many wonderful actors in that piece. But I went in and auditioned, and I guess they couldn't close the deal with somebody else, or they were having they were negotiating, and I ended up getting the part because I did a good job. So I'm going to do a good job on this oh, yeah. audition, whether and or not the part's really. And you're going to get it. Then. Oh, from your lips. Um,
0: <laughs> so now, after the verdict, uh huh, you're. A no name, pretty much. Still, you, yeah, you're in this movie, <laughs> but no, you're and so you're in this movie and you're with Paul Newman. Right. And so people must start turning their heads and saying, "Who is this girl?" I mean, right. I mean, what is that like? Well, for, first of all, I mean, for you, what is it like to sit there the 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 moment? And it was on Thanksgiving weekend, which is great because right, you're, you know, right. you're seeing family, having right. fun. What is it? I mean, how? Especially back then, because breaking the news, it's not like now you put it on social media and everyone right, knows. Right. But what, it, what? I mean, how? Great did you feel when you got that part over from these amazing people I and mean, when you when you knew you were going to be in a movie with Paul Newman, Newman. what was it just you must have just been ecstatic. I mean, how does, how do you, how does someone handle that? Well, I
1: was very serious then. I don't think I had a sense of humor about, you know, um, meaning a a sense of joy about uh, how wonderful things were going for me. I think I was just this very serious student of um, acting and the theater and films. So um, there was a seriousness about it with uh, which I approached it and a a, a solemnity. Um, So yeah, I have a lot more joy about things now, which is funny, but, uh, you know.
0: But that's just amazing. So, I, I mean, that's just so cool. I mean, most people would be like doing triple flips off of things. thing. Going, right. Oh, my God, I'm moving with Paul Newman. And I'm going to and I can say to my family. No, I, hey. had to,
1: I had to immediately go and hire a coach to work on the Boston accent and all that stuff, you know, just kind of focus and drill and and uh james handy who played my husband and i would get together and we'd go over the lines and we'd work on things and we both kind of came from the same background or the, had this had a similar approach to acting so it was very improvisational and really nice he was a great guy to work with so
0: so after you do that movie do offers start coming into you? No. No, so so even though you're in this mood and that's what's so funny, it's like, how Hollywood's just weird like that. And it's sometimes that, you know, and I, I get this from interviewing so many people that are, have like you, have mm-hmm. had great careers and very lengthy careers and mm-hmm. that means you're doing something right. But it's just frustrating sometimes to me when there's someone who's very talented, like yourself, and, and you're in this role, the door should just open. I, I, I know that sounds stupid, maybe I'm in an ideal world, but it's like, the door should, but then, The doors just open for some dope. I mean, me and my girlfriend, I talk about like the Kardashians. You know how they they're so rich, and and people in America like them. And we sit there and go, "What is wrong with you know?" I mean, and even L.A. is like that. It's like, "What is wrong?" I mean, does it it get you frustrated after you're in? Well, you know what
1: happens is, is that uh, at least I used to think this way. I, I don't know if it's completely true or not, but I used to think that you were what you were viewed um, oftentimes as that character or you were that thing. So the girl that I played in the verdict was uh, a lower middle class Boston um, Irish Catholic woman. And basically nobody understood or very few people understood that that was not who I was, um, that the physicality and the vocal inflections, that was not... That was not necessarily Roxanne, even, or the kind of, I was playing a character. Um, You know, so I I think that that, in New York, for instance, um, I, when I was younger, I got a lot of accolades for playing comedies and being very funny. In Los Angeles, people do not think of me as being a particularly funny actress. They think of me more as a dramatic actress. And... um, I don't know if that's just because they haven't seen it, or they're, and and they're not oftentimes willing to risk. Um, yeah, uh, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure.
0: It's weird. So, so, so you do the verdict, and then you do uh, Highlander. Uh huh. Now, Highlander has had a huge right. cult following. I mean, yes, which was...
1: I didn't know about until my brother, who was living in Boston, told me that. Um, People would dress up as uh, uh, you know the the Celtic uh, right. uh, fighters and stand in line, much like they did, I guess, for the Rocky Horror show oh, yeah. to go to midnight shows of Highlander. I didn't know that that happened.
0: Uh- <laughs> See, that's funny. Now that now that show, though, now that movie was a different, very different role than yeah. the verdict. Yeah. Now, were you excited to go out for a different role? Because, as you said, you felt like people watching you, they, they thought you may have been, I guess, you technically right. in the verdict. Right, you played right. a Southie, pretty much. Right. And, and right. so, now, was it good to sit there and be able to change your image? You go for a different role that was more in your face. I mean, just more being you or just being more elaborate. You, I mean, as an actor, that must have been great.
1: Well, you know, that film has had, um, it does have a cult following and does have, um, a, a lot of people come up to me now today and talk about it, or I'll meet somebody, a middle aged person, and they'll, it, it, they will tell me a, a man in particular that he had a crush on my character but at the time that film was in the movie theaters and out um it played peripherally i guess around the country um but in it it was not it wasn't a big hit so um even though they made i guess several of them afterwards so no, it didn't. It didn't really change things for my career. And I don't, I can't say that I was really recognized by it. But maybe I hung out with the wrong crowds. <laughs> maybe I didn't hang out with the people at the mall or something. I don't know.
0: Where were did it shoot at?
1: Um, we shot it in Scotland and okay. Wales and London in a studio in London outside London
0: now What was that that must have been great? To that was fantastic. Th- I mean because you think you're I mean everyone wants to go to Europe and then for you They're That's flying fantastic. you over there, yeah, they're and, flying me and, over
1: and they put me up at the Dorchester um, Which I stayed at for a while and uh, then I moved into a little apartment, but um It was great. It was great and I had per diem and I bought my first painting Um you know, it was. It, you think that that's the way it's always going to be. Um, it's it's a great experience.
0: What was the painting? What 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 attracted you? To, do you still have that painting?
1: Oh yes, it's a parks. Um, it's a seaside painting. Um, in English, uh, early nineteen uh, hundreds. It's quite beautiful. It's a simple um, kind of boats on a dock. Uh, impressionistic.
0: Are you are you a big art fan? Or?
1: I am. I am. I can't say that I'm the most uh, literate or educated of, but I do love art.
0: See, it's cool. Art's always great. And I, it's one thing I always, you know, thank my parents for is um, when I was young, they take me to art museums. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, as a boy who loved sports, you hated it. You know, I hated it. We go to the Philadelphia Art Museum, which is a beautiful art museum. It is. And you sit there and I'm like, oh my God. But then years later when I can sit there and I know Degas paints ballerinas, and I know <laughs> this, I'm like, like, yeah, my parents are pretty hip, but they're yeah. so straight laced and yeah. old fashioned. It's just weird because art's such a weird thing. You're right. It's you, the people who are the big art experts are right. usually just full of crap. I, I think a lot of times it's like, but that's cool. So you got the first painting, and that's good that you can remember that from a movie and you shot it over there. I mean, uh-huh. that's just that's awesome. Uh
1: huh. It was great.
0: It now, was great. you were on Dream On for a little bit.
1: Yes, I was.
0: Now, I'll be honest with you Dream On was when it came out. And and I wish you really can't find it. I don't think anywhere right now. That was one of my favorite shows. Oh really? It was just because it was it was a, it was if people if you don't know it was on HBO. It was one of HBO's first uh-huh. comedies, uh-huh. I believe. And it was they broke down the third. Well, the kid would watch TV. Right. And that's right. When. How did okay? So how did that come apart? Did you did you like doing? Because that's a comedy. Did you get to do, play more comedy in that? I
1: did. I did actually. You know, uh, it's interesting that you reminded me of that. Yeah. Um, Although I was a pretty serious character, I became a love interest for Brian Benben. And I had a daughter that he had, I mean, the, the, the trick was, um, or the conceit was, is that he had slept with my daughter. Um, and I ended up meeting him, and he gets attracted to me, um, and we go out. And um, it was it was a fantastic experience. You know, Marta Kaufman um, of Friends uh, right. developed that. Um, I don't know. I just auditioned for it, and I got it. And you know, I was pregnant when I got it, so I had all these scenes where I was <laughs> in my underwear and everything, and I had to strap myself uh, down a lot. Uh, it was it was pretty um, pretty interesting.
0: What is that like? I, 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 was it you who touched on it in that gal about being pregnant and auditioning? Was that you, or was that something else? Uh,
1: I think it. May have been someone else. Who- but,
0: but you okay. So what was that like when you got that role? Did they know you were pregnant, or, or did you have to hide it? I mean, what is that like for especially back then? Because back then it was such a, sexist, a sexist, right, right. sexist male-driven, right. uh, misogynistic uh, industry. Right. And if you get in a role, and then they find out you're pregnant, it's like, oh my god, what is that like? Like, it's something that you should be so happy, but then you're sitting there going, oh. I mean, what is that like when you have to sit there and hide it? I mean.
1: Well, um, you know, I, I guess. Uh, well, it's understandable in, a, in a, to a certain extent if you're playing a character who's not supposed to be pregnant, so they have to, um, they have to physically mask it. Um, What was it like? Uh, I don't know. I was very fearful. With both of my pregnancies, I've had two children, uh, grown young men now, but um, but both times I was working for part of the pregnancy and had to, uh, felt compelled to hide it. On the other hand, when I was doing Chicago Hope, one of the producers, and I had already had two boys, came up to me at one point and said I should consider getting pregnant because it would be an interesting storyline. Uh, which was really made me go what? But uh, I think he was uh, serious. Um, you know,
0: isn't that crazy? I mean, yeah. it's like it's like okay, and it's and that also shows I think just some of the mental capacity of people that they sit there and go, well, hey, you know, I, for the for the. For the show's sake, get pregnant. It's just funny that I mean, nowhere else, no other place would someone like you wouldn't go to a lawyer and go, "Hey, we're a family law firm. You're <laughs> you're 38. Can you get pregnant? Because it would look good for our clients if you were pregnant." It's just it must this must be weird. I mean, well, it's- you
1: know, there's a lot of mixing of who. You are as a real person, your real life and the characters and I think a lot of that was just beginning i mean i, I think i'm I'm not absolutely sure, but I remember that um there were uh, Peter Berg was particularly good at this would go back and they would do um, what's it called social media they would talk to some of the people that were watching the show and they would comment on the characters and um say who they liked and who they didn't like who uh, so, I think there was, uh, you know, and people always wanted to know what was going on in the actors' lives, who was having affairs, and that would drum up interest. So, if, as an actress who's playing a pregnant character on a show is, in fact, pregnant, um, that's more page space in People Magazine or something at the, at the time, um, I think it uh, I think brings audiences in.
0: <laughs> Isn't it crazy how, you know, like you just said, People Magazine, and... and- Back, you know, when I, I I've always followed Hollywood, and it used to be, yeah, the People Magazine and you had the National Enquirer. National Enquirer was all phony, right, right. And the people, but the, that was so funny. That was like that was like the big thing. I mean, right. like now where we have social media, like I don't even. I mean, I'm sure they make People Magazine, but right. you don't hear about it. I mean, right. you don't even hear about the sexiest man on People anymore. You used to. Well, What is that? I mean, being mentioned back then in a magazine. It was that different? I mean, because it it, it reached so many more people and that's Mm -hmm. what, you know, you try to explain, and I, I always make myself sound old, but you try to explain to younger people that, you know, it used to be just a magazine. Like, that's where you heard your news and everybody right. got that magazine and it wasn't on the internet right. and the stuff wasn't lies right. because you would get sued if people magazine put a story right you get sued and the internet now they make death hoaxes you know if that happened back then you get sued right what was it like i mean when if you ended up in i mean people magazine what would it be like
1: well i didn't uh you know it was uh, um okay uh I think um, there's a large part of me that's really a shy person, part of the reason why I'm an actress. I can't say that that's totally who I am because there's another part of me that's very forward and, and, uh, as I said before, uh, aggressive. But um, so... I like um, playing out what's going on in my life under the guise of a character or how I'm feeling about things within a character, within a story structure. Um, when my real life is out there, that feels a little exposed and makes me withdraw. Um, I have um, a real ambivalence towards um, being a uh, a person who is known to just about where i don't have control over it where somebody else can know something about me that i don't know right. that there's not parity there and i think that's what stardom is um although i always wanted that you know to be well known because i know that that's the thing that keeps you getting cast is the more you're in demand the more um, they can sell you. And it is not show art. It's show business. <laughs> it takes a long time to learn that. But, I say There's always yeah. a business
0: part of it. Always right. There's always right. a business part right. of show business. Right. Somebody's trying forget. to make money. Exactly. You know? So now Chicago Hope, which was a great show. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching you in Chicago Hope. And I just remember watching the show an amazing cast. It was. And uh, how did that come about? Because, I mean, your Dream One was a comedy. Right. And then you've, you've been in comedy and drama. And... When you, you know, you said, after you do a comedy or a sitcom like Dream on, your you're part of it, even though it's a more serious part, Right? did you want to get back into drama? or It's one of those things, I know actors say, we'll take the work that looks good to us, Right. but did you sit there and, and go, okay, it's time to get a, a, a meaty drama role, or did you sit there and just? No,
1: you know, I was just asked to audition for it, and I think what happened was um, Michael Pressman, who was the showrunner at the time, the producer, um, David Kelly's producer, had seen me in a play, down at the Mark Taper Forum um, a um, uh, Lips Together, Teeth Apart, a Terrence McNally play, and um, had me come in and audition for this part of Camille. Um, Camille only had two scenes in the pilot, and I was told that she would be uh, written for and developed for. Um, I was just happy to get the job to be on. It was my first series, um, network series, so yeah. Yeah. You know, that that's how it happened. I, I auditioned and I had to go in in front of the um, uh, network executives, which is like at that time at, at NBC, it was like maybe 20 people were in a like a little auditorium and you had to go in and do your scene and, and you went outside and then they came out and they told you a few things and you went back in and did it again and then you heard later on, oh... Then they went through the whole process of negotiations, which was back and forth. That was a couple of weeks, or, or at least two weeks, of numbers and time, um, amount of time, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, which was, you know, which you're not a part of, which you're told about. At least I wasn't a part of because I didn't understand how it works. So my agent did all the, that all that, uh, t- talking with the, the producers and the network.
0: Now, when you go to a scene like that where there's twenty people. And yeah. you're in an auditorium. Yeah. Do you think, because of your stage background, that helped you? Because it's. I, I
1: absolutely think it helped me. And Michael Pressman, when he called me, he called me at home. He said, "I want you to know that you want it in the room." Um, and what he meant by that was I had I was really still a New York actress. I wasn't really no, hadn't done a lot of time in television. Done a lot of um, episodics, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, or, or even recurring roles. Um, other than, as you mentioned, the um, Dream On. And uh, so I wasn't the favorite going in. Um, and I guess I changed minds with my audition, and I think it had something to do with what I always refer to as, a, and most people who <laughs> work in the theater refer to as stage legs. It, um, You know, just a presence um, on stage that you can project there. That It's very different acting on stage. I mean, it's not so different, the emotional internal process, but the physicality of it is different than working in front of a camera. Um, and it takes a while to learn how to do both well.
0: Well, yeah, it's weird because you had said, you know, with the stage and the projection always Because I mean, I did, I had a background in up comedy and if, if a mic went out, you, you went with it. It wouldn't right. bother you because mm-hmm. you were always projecting. I think on in, on stage you have to project. And I think even if you're going to act in TV and movies, you still have to project. I right. mean, cause you still, it's not like we're talking, you know, right. that's why me and you were talking, right. there's a microphone. I don't even know. I mean, sometimes I think I go, I guess they need a microphone to internally make it go through the system. Right. But a conversation is one thing, but when you're in any kind of production, uh-huh. you know, and even on the TV, you know, you want to talk like this. Right. But if you talk like this, right. the director's not going to hear you it because right. it's not like the director's right here. Right. And so I think that's cool that, that, that you want it in a room. And that must, that must have made you felt good. because It you made
1: se- me feel really good. Because
0: you're like, okay. Really good. Because like, we always, in comedy, we call it chops. And that means right. you, you had the acting chops. That's right. I mean, and that's awesome. So Chicago was a, was a very popular series. Now, what was it like working with some of these actors? Because it had such a it had a really good cast. I mean, it did from head to toe. I mean, it's it just did. one of those things you go. And Roma was on it.
1: That's right. And, she was great.
0: And uh, then I guess because it was you, you were a. What was your exact role?
1: I was the head uh, surgical nurse. Right.
0: So they kept you around right. when they got because I know Roma said so they got rid of. A bunch of nurses because of ER.
1: Well, they did get rid of me after the second year. I was only there for two years, and then they had me come back um, later on.
0: No, no. What's that like? I mean, it's. It's. I always think it's. It makes me must make you feel good, but then it must make you also sort of feel not bad, but you're like, well, why did you get rid of me in the first place? It's like it's like it's like on couples. It made me get-
1: feel. It made me feel terrible. It was devastating. It was devastating, even though. Um, I have to say that um, I was called. Um, it wasn't David who called me, and now my mind—I'm having a senior moment—and I can't remember who it was who called me, who was very um, kind and said that they just didn't have the storyline, they couldn't write for nurses anymore, and that it was nothing to do with me, and that blah 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 blah. But of course, you feel like it's everything to do with you, and um, it was—it was a—it was, a de- it was uh, quite. I, I would say it was one of the more painful experiences of my career.
0: And, and so it came out of nowhere, pretty much. That's, right, that's the thing. Right, right.
1: It just didn't end up happening. Will they do what's called a show-ender, where everybody, um, everybody's... It's it's on a cliffhanger. That was the last show, a cliffhanger. And my character had uh, stood up to um, Hector and um, the uh, powers that be at the hospital and put all her stuff together and was walking out. And... Uh, I think I had started a relationship with Thomas Gibson at that time, and so it wasn't, or um, maybe it was Vondi Curtis, uh, um, and uh, I just didn't, you know, they and they were um, adamant with telling me this is just the cliffhanger when we were shooting it, you know, that this is, that we're going to find another way, because they had already moved me off campus to, I was working in a, um, what do you call it, a small little, um, like a medical uh yeah. you know what i mean yeah. like a, a in a community um and uh and then, when the end of the show happened and when or the the season ended, and they were negotiating for for new characters, my agent called and said they're not gonna renegotiate and the um people called me and told me why they felt like they couldn't write for the nurses anymore.
0: Now how do, and then, so then that happens? But then how do you end up getting a call back? How many? How long was it until they gave you a call back to come? It was back? Was two
1: years later, and they asked me to come back. To um, uh, my character had gone off and had started singing in nightclubs, and
0: <laughs> it's so funny. It's yeah, like, how do you? And okay. I go
1: back and I sleep with Adam Arkin, my ex-husband, and I sing a song. Mandy plays the piano, and
0: they're serious. So yes, that, that's they, what they that's,
1: said that's, that was the show. You know, it was really crazy.
0: Was it? Was it like? Was it? when you went back was it good to see the people again you it was with it was lovely it's sort of like when you lovely. when you graduate college and yeah. you go back and visit like yeah. a year later yeah, yeah. so much but you still I mean it must be weird though because you still must have a little animosity towards not your co-workers that, right, it's, right. Not no, it's not their fault no it's
1: not their fault it's not the
0: crew's fault you know no. the, 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 no. gr- the, the grip's a nice guy it's no. not his fault but there must be it must be sort of weird sometimes to go back into that situation because you must sort of like feel like it's
1: wounding. Yeah, it's
0: like. It's wounding. And you, and you want to work and you yeah. want to see those people. That's right. But and the thing is, though, and that, but that's also in the long run, you have to think, well, it wasn't you because mm-hmm. they wouldn't have asked you back. You know, right. and that's the one right. thing. I mean, I know it's, it's weird to say that, but it's like they right. didn't have the storylines. But that's all it must make you right. feel. It must make you feel s- bitter. must be bittersweet to do that.
1: That's right. It is. It's very bittersweet. And I think that, I think the longer you're in this business, even the people that are at the very, very top, if you don't get. It, 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 there's no way you can go through it without, you know, getting those slap downs and pun- gut punches at times. I mean, it, that's just, it's part of it. Um, yeah. And you have to learn to suck it up and not be personal. It's that, it's that dilemma that the actor has to be really thick-skinned and yet at the same time as an artist to be transparent and translucent and be able to bring, to have access to your emotional self. That's a, a real dichotomy, I think.
0: Now, you were also on ER. Mm-hmm, now, yes. Now, was, was that like, I, I, I don't know what to say, is that one of those things like, take that, not to take that, but did that make you sit there and, I mean, because going from Chicago to ER, I, I mean, you would, that must have been a cool, just thinking to go, and sort of like, a well, hey, if your hospital doesn't want me, a hospital show wants me, I mean, that must have been a good feeling.
1: Well, you know, one of the things that was so amazing was to see that ER had hung all their lights so that they, um, at the beginning, they had a studio system that every light had been hung in there. So they took almost, um, it, it seems so much less time setting up shots uh, because they were lit wherever they went. Um, and they did a lot, of, a lot more than we did. We shot in a more traditional way. We, meaning Chicago Hope, shot in a more traditional way. And ER used a lot of moving cameras. Um, it was one of the things that people either loved about it or found really distracting i remember people always saying oh the camera's moving so it, much
0: it was it was yeah. innovative back then but People didn't do that, innovative. yeah and it's you're right and now and,
1: it's all the time right? Yeah, and you
0: see some people uh-huh. and it's so funny you know people go oh it makes me dizzy that okay. was always thing oh, that's right. and, right. and, and yeah and that's you're right and, and it's funny because you, you know and that must have been great for there must not been a lot of downtime for you then
1: well, not a lot of downtime and not at least when i was there when i was working not a lot of overtime they didn't go into a lot of overtime we uh, Oftentimes went very very late at night, and and it had to do with um, in part with uh, difficult setups. You know, long scenes and lots of lighting that had to be done. Not that everybody wasn't working up to. Right. I don't mean to be dissing anything. I'm just oh, saying no, it no. was the difference in the way the shows were. Shot. Yeah, I and mean, it's just yeah. cool, but yeah.
0: it makes it makes it more. Uh-huh. I think it makes it more realistic when you also see the ca- when you when you're not used right. to that, and you right. said now it's in everything. You right. know, it's like commercials, right. and right. you go what right. the hell? And now you're also in Oz.
1: Oh yes, yeah. Now,
0: I'm trying. My girlfriend's a big TV junkie. She loves TV. She loves all. You know, I'm 51. She's 48. So we have the same (laughs) background of TV shows. And I mean, we still we love like watch the same stuff. And like, you know, we've been on Law and Order. We're Law and Order fans. We're Uh SVU and Criminal Uh Time. And I always tell her how many like people came. She has never seen Oz. And I always tell her how many people were on Oz. Right. And Oz was. I mean, it's so funny because like you weren't on the ER Arns stuff. And you've been on a lot of uh, shows that are just like cutting edge I don't know if you know that but like but Dream On was very cutting edge right. you were on Oz I mean that show was that was what I mean I don't know how like a network would never show that it's right, like right. what is going to be it's going to be a drama about a prison where there's there's <laughs> Nazis and there's you know this and then there's this you know this guy, but what was that like? Because that must have been a very intense... It was very, very intense-
1: dark and very um, grand and um, very uh, fun uh, at the extreme, uh, really at the extreme of behavior. I was a radical, crazy, born-again um well, Catholic, born-again mother of this serial killer uh, and, um, you know, Bible-holding. Uh, it, was, it was quite fun, you know? Insane, a, an insane character.
0: <laughs> now, do you like playing insane? Because, like, I mean, like when, you get the, when, you, when you look at a role,
1: uh-huh.
0: is there something that you just go, man, man, I can't wait to do this? Because, I, I mean, I'm sure, like anything, you can put a little of your own in, interpretation to right, it. Right. But is, what kind of role just sits there and you sit there and go now in your career and um, earlier in your career what has has your, has that changed the kind of role that you sit there and go
1: you know somebody just asked me this weekend if i had if there were roles that I had in mind that I would always like to play, and I remember early on one role that I always wanted to play was Masha and three sisters now you can 't really say that um you know but that stage and um Uh, Things are in film are uh, created, they're new roles, so maybe it's types or kinds of roles. Oftentimes I see male roles um, and I go, wow, that would be great. Uh, Matthew McConaughey's role in True Detective was a fantastic role, a female version of that role um, would be great. I love Julianne Moore. Um, in Still Alice. Uh, I love roles of people who um, embrace uh, the extremities of human behavior. I really believe that um, one of the wonderful things about um, acting is is that we don't censor ourselves, we allow ourselves to go into the darker, um, grittier uh, aspects of our imaginings and, and, and bring those to life and um, make them impactful and we and people can watch it and they can understand and they can um understand something about themselves something about human nature um in a way that's really um quite uh transcending and 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 great uh you know i'd love to play just an extreme something.
0: <laughs> See, I just say, yeah, extreme. Everyone says that. I always think extremes just great because you really don't have any bars. You can just take it wherever you want. Right. And if you're going too far off, a good director is going to say, "Come back, that's come right. back, come that's back." That's right. That's right. And a bad director is going to keep going. But that, that's, that's right. what's great. And I think
1: I've had that conversation with directors before. I've, I've had a conversation where I've been playing a role, and I said, "Well, okay, now I'm going to take this, and you tell me. Tell me if you want me to pull it back." Um. And a good director will. You now, know?
0: do you do you, when you tell? someone that do you feel that you that's a director you must have a lot of trust in i yeah, mean just yeah. I, or is it, or I mean
1: i don't think it would be the first thing out of my mouth i think it's kind of a little bit of a dance particularly if you're doing an episodic and you're on a new show now a show will also have a certain imprimatur they'll have you know certain shows will like um uh what was the one that the one that brian cranston was in that was so brilliant breaking uh, bread breaking bread now breaking, Bread,
0: breaking Brad. Think. breaking bad I, breaking bad I, I I said Breaking Bad. Brad. that breaking was me that was bad. subliminal
1: <laughs> um you know, I mean he went uh, very that that um writer director um went really far with that and knew what that was, and then there are other shows where they really don't want the where the character goes gets a little bit bad, but then they always pull them back. it's a little bit bad, you know, so I think you have to know what show you're on
0: yeah and I think also it's it seems like that's more where you can go really bad and keep going as cable. And I, I think that's, that's right. and now I think with, you know, I've talked to people who said with the advent of the Netflix series and, and the Amazon prime series series, I think it, it opens up a whole new avenue of film, uh, TV making, right. because, you know, HBO is great series. Showtime is great series, but not everyone can afford HBO or Showtime. Right, right. Everyone can afford Netflix. You know, it's right. eight nine six ninety right, nine a month, right. and everyone streams now, and you can right. watch it anytime. The right. whole thing of binge watching. I mean, that just amazes me. <laughs> I mean, I have friends who I'm binge watching Breaking Bad, and I'm like, I, I'll do it. I, I mean, if there's like the show Luther, I don't know if you have ever heard of that. It I was, have heard of that. Yes, that was a great show, but it was six episodes. So me and Joanne binged watched it over three nights. We watched right two episodes. You right. know, but it's just amazing. I mean, for for being an actor in these days, it, there are a lot more roles. And network like network TV is just like it's so trivial now. It's weird to say that, but it was like like even when you see the 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 Emmys you know it's like it 's like nothing from network t v gets really right anymore, right. and it 's like for you as someone who 's worked in t v and has had a, a very fulfilling career, does that make you sad that the networks because you 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 know we, we all grew up on the networks that was the big thing. How does it make you feel when you 've been well, on networks I think that
1: the networks exist um a, a lot of them <laughs> well this is so ridic- this i don 't know but you 're selling product you know so you have you have um Product that you have to—you have—General uh, uh, Mills will not want certain things to be shown on their show if they need to sell a product. You have to appeal to a certain um, group of people, and uh, you know that it's not the same thing when when people buy um, cable; they're buying the show. They're not buying—you know—it's not interrupted with product. Uh,
0: I don't know. It's don't so know. weird, too, now, because what TV, what the networks don't get, and uh, this is God's honest truth, is most people, well, TV is like a Wednesday. You know, they'll put Empire on, Law & Order SVU, and Criminal Minds on. Okay. All good shows. So everyone DVRs them. And what do people do when they watch DVR? Right to the commercials. But now,
1: aren't there a lot of shows that you can't do that through?
0: Well, on demand you can, but when you DVR, you're right. actually recording it, so you can. Oh,
1: that's right. Yes. And
0: so it's it's sort of like just do it anyway. I mean, it's just it's just it's just it's just weird right. that the networks right. can get so and they do they can get so controlled just because.
1: Well, they have to figure out a way of making money, I guess. Right. You know. So that's that's the dilemma that they're probably in right now. That they're that their source of money is probably drying up a bit, yeah. or not as not as much as it was
0: because it's not in demand. Yeah, there's yeah. everything else. Now, when you when you were doing all your acting, did, were you still doing stage? I mean, have, have you? I mean, was there a point where if I mean, when you were like, let's say you went on Oz and stuff like that, mm-hmm. shows like that were you still taking time to do stage?
1: Well, as a matter of fact, I was just in this August, uh, July, September, October, November. I was in New York. I was doing a play in New York. Um, Prior to that, I was doing a play at the Pasadena Playhouse. So, yes, I do do stage whenever I can um, and whenever there's an opportunity. There isn't that much of an opportunity for me to do stage here in California, although that's how I started out in California was I flew for two different shows. I was flown out to the taper and worked there to reprise roles I had done in New York.
0: Now, what was it like when you went back to New York to do the play? I mean, you think about it. I mean... Yeah, I'm from back east, and you know how it is when you when you go back east. It's uh-huh. it's just that you know it's a great feeling. And, and what, what was it like? I mean, to go back and get to do a play in New York where you started out. I mean, it must have been just uh, an amazing feeling.
1: Well, you know what? It was it was really great working. Um, I was part of an ensemble, a very, very good ensemble. It was a play called Stalking the Boogeyman. It was based on this NPR um, story of This American Life written by David Holthouse, who was a journalist, is a journalist, um, who had been sexually um, assaulted when he was a young boy by the son of his parents' very good friends. And um, he had for many years um, thought about uh, uh, seeking revenge and actually possibly killing the man or the boy who was now a grown man um, anyway the um, the man uh, a man uh, uh, Marcus Potter um, heard it and uh, transcribed it into a theatrical uh, piece and I was part of an ensemble and I played two different characters what I'm trying to say is that I was just part of this cog in what was a very Good dramatic, um, worthwhile piece. And I was backstage one night going on to do my scenes as the mother, and I just stood there, and I had this great sense of being part of a community and working and how wonderful it was to work. Um, I've had a lot of deserts in my career um, where I don't work. And just the the process, knowing that I have a skill set, that it can be used well, that it can... um, illuminate things about human nature that I have that, that I have those capabilities is uh, is extraordinary it's wonderful it's it was it was a wonderful experience and then also the other thing was I went to Joe Allen's which anybody who knows anything about New York knows it's one of the New York uh, restaurants where a lot of actors go to and I walked in there one night after the show and the um, maitre d said oh it's Good to have you back, and I felt like, oh my God, a home. It was it was really extraordinary.
0: It that's was, a, now now what to, what were the, what was the other role you played? I mean, that's just how and how do you pull it off? I mean, that must be. Such... I played
1: two different roles. I played the mother uh, who was Alaskan, um, you know, kind of uh, uh, middle class, um, uh, not very bright, not the brightest light bulb in the pack, kind of oblivious to her son's uh bad behavior. I was the mother of the Predator. And then also I played um, David Holdhouse's therapist who was very sophisticated, his therapist that he saw in Denver and very um aggressive. Um what was it like? It was great. It was great because it was a turn. You know, I was playing somebody who was less and somebody who was more and some somebody who was vulnerable and somebody who was cool. Uh, it was great. And, oh, one of the things that was most fantastic was a friend of my sister's who came to see it um, told my sister that she had no idea until, like, three-quarters of the way sh- through the show that the same actress was playing two different roles.
0: See, that's what, that's what I was thinking, but that that's, that's, that's a testament to you just because yeah. it, you think, though, it's like... I would, and that's the one thing. I mean, like anything, we get inside our head. I mean, right. that's anything we're performing, whatever. Right, right. I would think as as you know, acting, and you have two different roles. Right. So, once again, every actor, every writer, every comic, we all have our insecurities. Right. We won't, We don't sit there and go. Well, they're giving me two roles because they know I can pull it off. We right. think. Everyone, they think. Well, what if they know it's? I mean, that's right. what would go through my head. Like, well, wait a second, what if they know it's me? And then I think the audience i don't think would really get irritated because it's like it's a play but i mean was it weird because you would go i mean
1: well you know in the very beginning i had i had this um security blanket known as a wig <laughs> And I took this wig and I said, okay, so I'm going to wear the wig for this character. And I was really insistent that I needed this wig. And finally, the directors and the producer um, said, you can't wear the wig. The wig doesn't work. And I ended up doing it with a headband, pulling my hair back differently. And it, I I had forgotten that I had a different vocal range, a diff- different accents, di- uh, very different physicalities, different costumes, and... I I didn't understand the transformative effects of those uh, pieces, and uh, so I felt almost naked when I didn't have the wig or exposed that people would know that it was the same actress, and in fact, they didn't. Um, You know, it really... I really did become this other person, so that was quite a coup.
0: How was it in rehearsal? Did you have to rehearse twice as much? I mean, it's because it, you. I mean, you had to learn the line. I mean, it's stumbly, like
1: a, stumbly. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's just—it's so
0: cool that you could do that. I mean, just—and so you would do a scene. Uh huh. And then how how long after your first scene would you come back? Uh,
1: it, in some cases, very very quickly. Uh, I had to do. Really fast changes, ran, much, ran, ran, and
0: yeah. isn't that pressure? Because that, that always yeah. reminds me, like yeah. when you see the TV, like with the key when you can't get the key yeah. in the door. And I, I was thinking, you know, it must. Have, I guess you just it's get athletic. You just get used to it, though. I guess you, after yeah. a while, you don't think yeah. about it. Yeah. So you do that, and then you have to go back and forth. That's so cool. I mean, that's such. That's, that's just. Uh, what, was it stressful at all? Well,
1: you know, the first play I ever did in New York that I had the lead in was a play called um, Loose Ends that I did with Kevin Klein. and that. Uh, it was written by Michael Weller and that was 10 scenes over a period of years and uh, I had to come off after every scene and do a quick change and oftentimes there was a change of hair and so I would have to say that one of my very first uh, Leading role experiences was of that kind, you know doing the quick change and coming into the scene, and you know you come into the scene and your voice is pitched differently a, a couple of years later than it is when you 're a young uh, twenty year old on ballet uh, swimming, and then when you 're uh, a successful ad agency. Uh, executive See, That's
0: cool. that's that just goes. That's it's so, and that's what's great about you know acting. You know, it's like someone you know when you can do two roles, or you can do it, it's like this with sketch comedy and stuff like too. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. it's a great thing because if you're good, you can pull it off. But that's there's right. not there's nothing worse than someone who can't, can't pull, pull it off, off yes. when you sit there and you go. Right. Okay. It's like seeing a bad magician where you see the strings, you know, and right. you go, Really? know, yeah. We have a few minutes left. Okay. Um so uh what else is what's coming up? You said you're like you're all audi- you've gone off the I'm auditioning.
1: Auditions? I'm auditioning. So everybody who's listening to this, keep your fingers crossed. Think good thoughts for me. <laughs> and uh you know, I'm auditioning,
0: that's what I'm doing. Now is it do you like I mean, you've done a lot of episodic I mean mm-hmm. you know, like you've been on the Mentalist and stuff there, like that. There. Is it uh is it when you go on the set, is it when you leave, is it sort of sad? Like, or did you, I mean, when you get along with a crew that's really good, you sit there and is it sort of like, oh, I don't want to go? You know, every
1: set has its personality. And uh, depending upon um, who the leading actors are, they the set kind of reflects that. So if you have a, an actor who's in a lead who's been doing a show for... A lot of years and is bored or is unhappy or cantankerous. Uh, everybody on the set is on edge. That goes to down to the gaffers, you know, um, and people walk a little on 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 eggshells. If you go onto a set where people are feeling, you know, know how fortunate they are to be in this long running show and are embracing, and they come into the makeup trailer and they say hello to everybody, um... you're on a really a great a great place. So. Um, you know I can't say that there's any one reaction that I have to it one of the things uh, I do think about it is is that oftentimes I will get roles that do require a lot of emotion for instance Grey's Anatomy I played a woman who was dying of cancer and she gets hysterical and is laughing and uh, her her hysteria represents itself in laughter and um, you know, just being able to do that and to know that I can do that. And I come in, you know, job in, put my, you know, do my time clock, do this, give them what they want. And they're very happy. And I pat myself on the back and I say, well, that's what you learned how to do. That's what you know how to do. You can do this on their time clock. And you know, do it well.
0: Now, would you like to go back to New York again to do theater? If an opportunity came up, would you go back?
1: I would in a New York minute.
0: <laughs> now, what's it like when you when you go back there? Where do you stay?
1: Um, well, I stayed with my sister for a while, and then I also stayed with my aunt and uncle. Um, and, you know, I guess if I went for a lot, but I knew that this was only going to be a few months. Um, if I was to go back for a longer period of time, I would probably do an Airbnb or something. Airbnb like
0: that. is pretty cool. Yeah, well, it I, is. I, I mean, it I is. wish, you know, because I was in a long distance relationship before my girlfriend moved out here. And I would leave. I would go back to New Jersey uh, for like a week, sometimes two weeks. Uh-huh. And if I had known about Airbnb, because this was only like two years ago, cause we have a nice place. I would be like, I would be like cha-ching you know because it's cool because you get to stay at nice places and it's just it's just fun stuff that is now um i want to wish you good luck on your auditions thank you um did you enjoy uh that gal
1: Oh, very much! I love all, being with all those other actresses and seeing people whose work I admire. And I do know Roma and I know Chris Rose, so that was nice to be there with them. So
0: and people, you have to go. It's it's on Showtime on demand. If you have a Showtime, you can watch. But it's also on Showtime on demand, and it's called that gal that was in the in that thing, that guy number two or whatever. Right. And it 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 really looks into the uh, character the the character actors, as we That's say, right. and really just. Their careers, there's some great stats, and uh, Roxanne's in it, and she you give a very good interview, Thank and you, you talk about your kids, and about Thank I didn't you. go into the Highlander <laughs> thing when you said you know because that's not you know, and uh, so you see, now do I you think do you're a gentleman? Yeah, because I'm like see I'm like that like someone was on my show a few weeks ago who dated Cher, and he's like thanks for not that I said I don't that's I don't care about it. I'm not National Enquirer radio it's not right, I'm not Perez Hilton right, right. now do, do you tweet or anything like that or I
1: don't I don't I'm a real luddite I barely do Facebook okay. I mean I do Facebook when I have to sell things like for instance I was selling that girl was on that thing and now I will sell this show okay. and uh, also a show that I produce for writers called rant and rave um, and uh, you know so I, I, I do it use it for that purpose or for my son's music.
0: <laughs> well, I wanna thank you for coming on. Oh, it's my pleasure. It was, I always love when I, I I meet people I've seen on TV Then because that movie, I love that movie, and Ian's such a great guy. So yeah, people uh, you know go to go IMDB Roxanne Hart. Go go see some of her old work, you know, and, and yo know, it's great. And uh, so yeah, so thank you. People you can follow me on Twitter, it's at Cooper Talk, that's at Cooper Talk. Also go to my website, Coopertalk.net. I have over three hundred and fifty episodes up there. You can send me an email, Cooper at Coopertalk.net. I always respond. Uh, if you wanna listen to itunes or stitcher type in one word one word cooper talk and you'll find it and then my new website which i really want you to check out StopTheSalt.com. as you know when i went through my health problems uh, a few years ago i had to completely changed my diet so i wrote a cookbook for all you people who don't think you can cook it's all low sodium uh, recipes it's 120 recipes uh there's no pictures because guys it's mostly for guys who don't know how to cook if you see pictures, you get intimidated. And so, and I don't put lots of lists because I'm a good cook, but I sit there if I see 15 different types of spices, I get freaking out because I only have eight of them. So it's just basic. So go to stopthesalt.com. Buy it there. I'll even sign it for you. You can buy it there. It's uh, $10 plus $3.99 shipping. Or if you want to go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble, it's on there, but why buy from them when you can buy from me? Wouldn't you rather have me sign the book? (laughs) So please go to StopTheSalt.com. Don't forget, follow me on Twitter at uh, CooperTalk, coopertalk.net, which you can always check out my past shows. And that's about it. Remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins. Email me, tell me what guests you want to hear, and don't forget to listen next week. I am out to have lunch.